I was thinking about idioms, and I went to find a definition, and here's what I found. An idiom is an expression that conveys something different from its literal meaning. And that can't be figured out from the meaning of its individual words. For example, between a rock and a hard place is an idiom that means in a difficult or bad position with no good way of getting out of it. Now, what makes an idiom different from a figure of speech is that its non-literal meaning is already familiar to the speakers of the language. A couple of examples. A chip on your shoulder. Some say that means you're holding a grudge. High as a kite means you're drunk or on drugs. Sick as a dog conveys the meaning that you are ill. Idioms. Meaning. Words. And the message that words convey. <clears throat> Either literal messages or non-literal messages. And we usually find words in books, magazines, and speeches. And often shows up in our leadership. Richard Warren Lewis was a magazine writer. And he wrote for newspapers and magazines, which included the Los Angeles Times, TV Guide, People Magazine, Saturday Evening Post. He went to the University of Michigan and studied political science. He published several books. They were nonfiction. One was called The Scavengers and Critics of the Warren Report, and it was published in 1967. He passed away in 1998 of Lou Gehrig's disease. But in 1971, Richard Warren Lewis was working for Playboy magazine. And at the time, in May of 1971, Lewis traveled to Newport Beach, California to interview one of the top movie stars of the time, of the era of the time, John Wayne. And in that interview with John Wayne, who at the time was <clears throat> one of the most successful and wealthy movie stars in America. John Wayne was also connected to a lot of conservative political organizations. In fact, John Wayne was approached in 1968 to run for vice president with George Wallace. Now, he declined that. He didn't run for vice president with George Wallace. But he was known to campaign with Barry Goldwater when Goldwater ran for president against Lyndon Johnson. He campaigned for Richard Nixon during his presidential campaigns. And in the interview, Lewis asked some questions to John Wayne about civil rights activists, activism, and the role played by African Americans 
and Native Americans in American culture at the time. And in the interview, which you can find, Wayne said this. There was a question about Angela Davis. And Angela Davis was a professor at the time, and she was also a countercultural activist. She was a communist as well. And people were going to try to take away her teaching credentials. They wanted her credentials revoked because of her beliefs. John Wayne responded this way. He said, with a lot of blacks, there's quite a bit of resentment along with their descent, and possibly rightly so. But we can't all of a sudden get down on our knees and turn everything over to the leadership of the blacks. I believe in white supremacy until the blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. I don't believe in giving authority and positions of leadership and judgment to irresponsible people. When asked about his own hiring practices, Wayne said this. He didn't discriminate against black actors or crew members, but he didn't seek them out. He said, I've directed two pictures and I gave the blacks their proper position. I had a black slave in the Alamo, and I had a correct number of blacks in the Green Berets. If it's supposed to be a black character, naturally I use a black actor, but I don't go so far as hunting for positions for them. I think that Hollywood studios are carrying their tokenism a little too far. Now, later on in the interview, Lewis asked him about Native Americans. And he asked him if he felt any empathy for Native Americans, for their subordinate role in, in most of the Westerns at the time. And Wayne said this, I don't feel we did wrong in taking this great country away from them, if that's what you're asking. Our so-called stealing of this country from them was just a matter of survival. There were a great numbers of people who needed new land, and the Indians were selfishly trying to keep it for themselves. Now, this was in 1971. Fast forward to the current day. California wants to have John Wayne Day. A Republican State Assembly member, Matt Harper of Huntington Beach, wanted May 26th to be John Wayne Day. Somebody produced this interview and did not feel good about those comments. And Wayne's Day was defeated by a 35 to 20 vote. So we don't have a John Wayne Day in the state of California. Now, if we would have held that vote in 1971, yeah, there probably would have been a John Wayne Day. But let's go back to this. Idioms may not be meant to be taken literally, but they often, often reveal and describe situations that need to be resolved. For example, a chip on the shoulder means that you are holding a grudge. Now, a grudge can be fuel that either puts you on a path to your greatest contribution, or a grudge can lead to your destruction. 
A battle is often started in our lives and our leadership, and we need to fight sometimes. Sometimes power needs to be fought, and sometimes we are fighting times, other times we are being fought against. Do you know when, and do you know why? Fight the power. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm a dad, husband, man of faith, driven by curiosity and making efforts to be empathetic and compassionate. I'm here today to have a conversation with you about the past, the present, and the future with the hope that all of us will leave today ready to listen to our own hearts and bring forth the contributions that we wish to make at a local, national, and global level. Today, I'm continuing to look at the music of Public Enemy and the leadership lessons we can learn from it. This is my last episode on Public Enemy, and I wanted to do the song Fight the Power. And Fight the Power was recorded by Public Enemy, and it was released first as a single in June 1989 on Motown Records. It was written at the request of Spike Lee, who wanted a musical theme for his 1989 film Do the Right Thing. First, it was issued as a single, and it came out on the soundtrack, and then a different version was put on Public Enemy's 1990 album, Fear of a Black Planet. Now, as a single, Fear of a Black Planet, and as a single, Fight the Power reached number one on the hot rap singles and number 20 on the hot R&B singles. It was also named the best single of 1989 by The Village Voice in their pop and jazz critics poll. It has also become one of Public Enemy's best-known songs and has received many prizes as one of the greatest songs of all time by critics and publications. In 2001, the song was ranked number 288 in Songs of the Century in a list compiled by the Recording Industries Association of America and also the National Endowment of the Arts. Now, this song was not without controversy. It was loaded with controversy. May 22, 1989, Professor Griff, who was the Minister of Information, was being interviewed by the Washington Times, and he made anti-Semitic comments in his interview. He called people of Jewish descent wicked. He blamed them for the majority of wickedness that goes along the globe, and he listed off financing the Atlantic slave trade, being responsible for South African apartheid, And those comments drew attention from the Jewish Defense Organization. And they announced a boycott of Public Enemy. And they put pressure on the record companies and retailers as well. In fact, putting the song in Do the Right Thing led to people protesting the film. The Jewish Defense Organization sent picketers to movies to boycott do the right thing. Also, media outlets as well were furious with Professor Griffin's comments. And Chuck D responded several ways. First, he would talk about he talked about the group disbanding, then he said the group wasn't disbanding, he said the music industry he would boycott it, and then he dismissed and fired Professor Griff from the band. And then they released Fight the Power on Motown. Then Public Enemy went on a break. 
and they wanted to take pressure off of Spike Lee and his movie. They didn't want the protest on them. And then when they released Fear of a Black Planet and Welcome to the Terror Dome, they used lyrics to defend the group. And they went and attacked their critics. And they attacked their critics for attacking them over race and anti-Semitism. But anyway, through this, Fight the Power continued to climb the Billboard charts. And we see the impact of the song today. Now, question about this in our leadership is this. When, when power is opposed, it can be a plea for power to do its job correctly. It could act as a form of an account, as accountability. But oftentimes fighting the power is not designed because the people who are fighting the power want to take the power. Here's an example. 1968, October 16th, 1968. U.S. athlete Tommy Smith won the 200-meter race with a world record time of 19.83 seconds. Australia's Peter Norman finished second, and the United States' John Carlos finished in third place. After the race was completed, the three went to the podium for their medals to be presented by a man named David Cecil. Two of the United States athletes received their medals not wearing shoes, but they wore socks. And the reason why they wore socks is because they wanted to be symbolic to poverty and the situation of poverty going on in the country. Smith wore a black scarf around his neck to represent black pride, and Carlos had his tracksuit unzipped to show solidarity with blue-collar workers in the United States. And he wore a necklace of beads, which he described, he said they were there for the individuals that were lynched, killed, and that no one said a prayer for, and they were hung and tarred. It was for the people thrown off the side of the boats in the Middle Passage. And all three athletes wore the Olympic Project for Human Rights badges. After Norman, the Australian athlete who finished in second place, was critical of Australia's white Australia policy. Now, also at the time, the sociologist named Harry Edwards wanted all African-American athletes to boycott the Olympic Games. But the actions that were inspired by Smith and Carlos were inspired by Harry Edwards' arguments. So there's a famous picture, and that picture was taken by John Dominus. And what you have here is that you had Carlos and Smith where were doing the Black Power salute during the Star Spangled Banner. They put their heads down during this. And that gesture became front page news. They were booed while they were at the podium. They were criticized in the United States because of what they did. 
Smith later went on to say, If I win, I'm an American, not a black American. But if I did something bad, then they would say, I am a Negro. We are black and we are proud of being black. Black America will understand what we did tonight. And later on, Tommy Smith would say, We were concerned about the lack of black assistant coaches, about how Muhammad Ali got stripped of his title, and about the lack of access to good housing and our kids not being able to attend the top colleges. You see, criticism of power is not a coup. Oftentimes, criticism of power meant to bring attention to problems that exist in a society. Problems that we would expect power to address. Those in power with resources and the ability to marshal those resources in the direction of solving these problems. So when power doesn't do that, it needs to be held accountable. But often, the result of being criticized, power will fight back. And they will fight back in two terms, the straw man and the ad hominem attack. Both logical fallacies. A straw man is a form of argument and an informal fallacy based on giving the impression of refuting an opponent's argument while actually refuting an argument that was not presented by that opponent. One who engages in this fallacy is said to be attacking a straw man. So, for example, when you bow your head and put your black power salute up, Someone will say you're disrespecting America. No, that's the straw man argument. They clearly said, we want to bring attention to poverty. We want to talk about social issues. But the straw man makes a new argument. The straw man doesn't want to talk about the specific issues. Let's take, for instance, Colin Kaepernick. He bows for the national anthem, and he said he wants to talk about police violence. People say he's disrespecting the flag. The straw man is disrespecting the flag. The real argument is police violence. So the proper response for power would be to say, let's look at a study. In fact, there was a study done on police, vi police violence and implicit bias. So, so what power needs to do is bring that. And then we have a discussion. The ad hominem attack is saying that somebody disrespects the country, they hate the country, they're a racist, or this, this, or this. That's ad hominem. An ad hominem attack is directed against a person rather than a position they are maintaining. So when power is being fought or protested, it could possibly mean that the leadership has done something wrong and is refusing to listen. A peaceful protest or someone offering an opinion that is different than yours is closer to collaboration than it is violent. Oftentimes, power responds violently, turning hoses on civil rights protesters, ad hominem attacks. See, if you're a leader, you should be able to defend the position that you put out. 
You should be able to defend the positions that you put forth. Let's take church, for example. I, I've been a part of a church community for over 26 years, and I love it. I value it. I studied theology for a time in graduate school. But sometimes contribution would always become a sticky issue. And when people began to question contribution, how is the money spent? Where are you taking the money? See, that's a math issue, right? It's not a spiritual issue. It's a math issue. Power would respond by saying, you are not being a good Christian. You ad hominem attack. You are not being a good Christian. You're not respecting leadership. You don't love God. Straw man ad hominem. Because, first of all, the person who is making that question has been to church, shares their faith with people, gives faithfully to the church and its causes, volunteers. So, they've shown that they're spiritual. So, it becomes a math issue. Means that in a math issue, you pull out a budget and you read it together. You collaborate and you make financial decisions and you move forward. You see, sound bites and straw man and ad hominem attacks are good for TV ratings and they stir up fear and emotions. And then power will lecture you. But guess what? Lectures sometimes aren't leadership. Leadership is decision making. And, and guiding people into a place where they could do their best work. That's what leadership is. So, as a leader, if people are fighting you, you've got to stop for a minute and reflect and ask, why are they fighting me? Because sometimes fighting the power is not a coup. So if you're being fought against, maybe you need to clarify some things. Which means you bring facts to a meeting. I've gone to meetings before where people will say, we've got to look at the facts, but they don't show them. Okay, simply stating look at the facts does not mean we can make a solid decision off of that cliche statement or a buzzword. We need to sit down with a budget. So allow your facts to be questioned, but then support them with evidence. An author, a study, and then read it and keep your argument around that topic, not around somebody's identity. In money issues, bring a budget and let everyone see the budget. You know, there's been many times where I, I've been around people and they say, oh, funding formulas are just too complicated. N no, they're not. Funding formulas, is, funding is math. It's spend less than what you make. Basic accounting principles that you can find online all talk about this. They have different vocabulary, but it's basically math. And people will say it's more complicated than that. Okay, well then teach someone. In fact, if you wanted to, in my field in education, I've heard many people say school accounting is too complicated. Okay, no, I go simply to a book and I read the school accounting manual. And then you learn accounting principles. And then you talk about math. That's how an accountant became an accountant, by studying accounting. Also, as a leader, you're not an all omniscient, all-powerful being. It's a job. 
with a title and rules and responsibilities. If I go to a classified ad section of the newspaper and I see CEO, there will be, a, there will be job responsibilities. And you can learn how to do those things because the CEO was taught how to do those things. The surgeon had to go to medical school and learn how to do surgery. That means we can choose to learn and we can choose to explain. Also, as a leader, you have to realize criticism isn't a coup. People may not want the power. They just want you to do the right thing. Now, if you want the power, I would suggest this. Go get your power on your own. Don't take it from someone else because you may hurt yourself in the process. Now, there are times, obviously, if you have an unjust leader and someone who needs power taken from them, you got to walk cautiously, yellow light, count the consequences. But in most situations where safety isn't involved and we want power, we should just walk away and build our own thing and don't build on someone else's land. So what you should do, well, believe the truth. The opinions of others don't define you. Now, may, they may inform you, but you get to make decisions. When we came into the world out of the womb, we, didn't, we weren't formed or shaped by an opinion. If you look into a biology book, you will see that we were formed because an egg fertilized a sperm and after nine months in the womb a child comes out and the opinions of people are not in that equation no one wrote a biology book and says that in order to form a child you need to go get various opinions from people including fashion sports political opinions and mix that all together and a child will come out that's not how biology works so you get to make choices Think about this. When you make a statement that says, well, I couldn't do this because of political correctness. Political correctness is not an obstacle. It's an opinion. And you can be influenced by that opinion. You can weigh that opinion into your decision-making process, evaluate the consequences, the pros and the cons, but you make the decision. So to simply say political correctness, that's abdicating your leadership. It's not taking responsibility. You are the leader. You make the decision to pass it off to political correctness or an idea. You're not a leader. You're being swayed by the opinions of others. Now, blocking someone's way setting up systems that prevent people's talents and abilities from shining, that is not leadership as well. So what if you're in that situation? I would say this. 
It's hard. But I've done it. You can leave. If somebody doesn't want you, they don't want you. Walk away. Find the people who do. Thank you for listening to the Stephen Thompson Experience. This is your day. This moment is a moment to reflect and be aware. Put your feet on the ground and feel what is underneath you. Look up to the sky and say thank you. Look forward at your surroundings and be aware of all that you have. Now move forward from that space. Go out today, create, heal, contribute, laugh, and love. We are all here together.